This is The Mooncast So yeah, today I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the crypto market and you know the two banks that just they just collapsed the uh silvergate and silicon valley uh yeah did, did you hear anything about it or have you i mean i was uh i've definitely heard something about it it's just that it's it's difficult to follow everything happening because it's happening so fast yeah. um i i mean to be honest with you i know the way banks work they're just going to get they're just going to get bailed bailed out really um it happens all the time. The government's going to step in. Um, they're going to kind of bail them out. And that's just the way it's going to happen. The unfortunate thing is that people were actually um, informed of this. The The bailout should have happened kind of seamlessly, as it normally does. But it hasn't in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, interesting because they're having an emergency meeting on Monday about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... Um, for sure, they're going to have to build because here's the thing, especially with the Silicon Valley Bank, from the research that I've done so far, basically, they had more, um, they have enough assets to cover the liabilities up to 25% threshold. And once more than 25% people start trying to redeem their deposits from the bank, that's when they're going to start having a lot of major issues because it's going to be like a bank run. Once people realize they can't get their money out, then more people are going to try to get their money out. And the problem is they've frozen the capability of these companies because, you know, it's smaller. It's uh, SMEs, you know, so it's not the big tech companies because they're they're liquid, the big tech companies. But it's the smaller ones in Silicon Valley, the startups that are partnered with this bank or, or credited or credited their um, their liquidity to this bank. And the thing is, their their liquidity is frozen. And so they can't they can't do they can't. Uh, proceed in payroll, for instance, you know, they can't pay their debts, they can't pay their employees, because majority of the liquidity is held up in his bank. And if they can't do that, then uh, it's going to cause a cascading effect of a whole bunch of companies going out of business, and then a whole bunch of employees losing their jobs. And you know how that works, then there's going to be less spending within the economy. It's kind of actually good in a sense for what the Fed was trying to achieve, which was to decrease the amount of spending within the economy to decrease the amount of inflation. And, um, but that's why I'm curious to see what they're actually gonna do on Monday, because if they bail out this this uh, bank, well, it's gonna cause more inflation. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of um, suffered, uh, I experienced something very similar um, in the real world, not, not in the crypto world. So I think it was back in 2013, uh, Cyprus had a, a bail-in and basically mm-hmm. what that did is the the country owed money and they didn't they 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 went to the European Union for help now at the time the European Union was bailing out different countries so instead of bailing them out they decided to do a, a bail in which meant that um the money that was held in the banks they would use that to cover like a portion of the uh, of the money they had in like basically your money was no longer secure so um when that happened companies weren't able to do payrolls and it was very similar so you wouldn't be able to pay your staff so anything over a hundred thousand was kind of frozen 
So what they did is they said, if you have 100,000 um, euros, then you're kind of protected up until that point. Um, and that was per person. Um, and that, but anything over that, you, you, you couldn't get anything over that. Um, and I mean, it was devastating for the economy. Um, it, it, the economy suffered for like three to four years after that point. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is if this if this is kind of happening in the crypto world, I kind of see something similar kind of happening there where people won't be able to um, maneuver in a financial sense, in, in a business sense anyway. Um, I can't predict what's going to happen, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you can't. It's just mm-hmm. what will happen is, I don't know. I've I've seen it happen in the real world. And it wasn't pretty, and it was it was really bad because um, all of a sudden you saw startups not starting up, you saw companies not moving, you saw empty properties, you saw empty businesses, um, and if and if the, this does happen in crypto, you're going to see a lot of move money leaving this space, um, or but it depends how they react. So if they if they decide to start the money printing and bail them out then everything's fine and as it was but if they do a kind of bail in or they just don't bail them out um uh, well they can't do a bail in so you just be won't bailing them out if they don't bail them out then it's 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 going to be a devastating effect i think for the next possibly um after 2005 to 2024 2025 from that point on but if they bail them out you're going to see a uh I believe anyway, you're going to see a small bull run, um, not anything dramatic, but you're going to see the market somewhat correct itself temporarily. Um, but from a, from a large point of view, I think that it's very difficult to under, to, 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 to underestimate um, the value of the Bitcoin halving, which is when things do get interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it's for me, I'm looking at it like this, right? Um, Either way it goes, I think it's a win for crypto because one, the banks are failing, (laughs) right? And if they don't decide to bail them out, then it just, uh, it basically serves as a catalyst to, for them to to be able to not have to keep increasing the rate hike so much throughout the course of the year to hike the rates because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to lose liquidity and it's going to cause a huge cascading effect. What I am scared of though is a regional run on the banks, right? So imagine if people lose confidence because of the situation that's going on and there's no bailout, then everyone's going to start looking into other banks that have, you know, a kind of shady, you know, uh, balance sheets, right? And so if their balance sheets are shady and they're not super cash heavy and they have these mortgage-backed securities and they have these long-term uh, bonds and all these different types of uh, assets that they have and they have more uh, liabilities than assets and they don't have the deep enough liquidity to pay back depositors, then you'll see potentially a regional run on the banks, which would maybe consolidate the banking systems to just the top three, top four banks like JP Morgan and stuff like that. So that could be a potential thing, man. And um, the more confidence is lost in the banks, it's just, I think for me, it's better for crypto because people start to realize, hey, you know, this system isn't, it's not what you think it is. And banks are broke. <laughs> they don't have our money you know and uh people still haven't realized that yet so some people are gonna have to learn the hard way unfortunately yeah i mean it's a shame really because 
we give them our money, so they should really have our money. Um, so I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I mean, it's just, yeah, I think, I think any, any bank can suffer a bank run. Um, once news gets out, if you, I don't know what, what banks you deal with, but for instance, if, if your local bank, um, was to suffer bad news or FUD, everybody will start withdrawing and all of a sudden you have a bank run. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, I don't think that's kind of like, um, I just think that's the norm. But the, the thing is, why should a bank run even happen if they have the money, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, part of the reason is just to over leverage, man. They're just a lot of these banks over leveraged. Like I said, they're, a lot of them are broke. They have more liabilities than than assets and they, they can't fulfill, you know, a large amount of withdrawals at one time, you know, and people it's funny because. People clown the whole situation with FTX and I'm like, well, FTX was a Web2 company and um, you should never trust your your money or your funds to a private entity, in my opinion. I think it's way too risky. You should even put it in real estate, put it in gold or put it in, in, in crypto. You know, um, I don't know. What, what's your take on that? I mean, there is there is an inherent risk with anything. Um, yeah, if if yeah, of course. But it, I mean, if if. Because I, I I have some um, some ISAs, which is like an individual savings account, um, and what they do they protect they protect your money up until I think it's like eighty seven thousand um, pounds. So mm-hmm. looking at that from that point of view, if the government cover your your if they give you a banker's guarantee scheme thing, where your money's kind of secure, then you're okay. Um, the problem we're having is is a lot of these these shady centralized exchanges were stating that they they had some security or some backing or everything was you know uh, kosher when in fact they had none of that it was just it was just kind of uh, smoke screens um, mm-hmm. they tried to now now some of the exchanges the centralized players they, they've got this uh, proof of reserves thing going on um, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see that happening Ultimately, yeah. people people want to know that you have their money. You know, it's not like we're not asking for a lot here. We just we just want to know that you have our money. So when it comes time for us to withdraw, or there is some kind of a situation within the economy that you're not going to turn around and say, "Puff, it's gone." You know, exactly. I, I I have been hearing that people as an option are saying are basically saying that we should we should buy T bills, like Treasury bills. And yeah, I mean, um, yeah, for those who don't know for the audience, it's just basically like the government, let's say you have like a thousand dollars and the government will issue a T-bill at like nine, $980 and then it'll give you like a, like a 2% yield or something like that, basically. So when they, re- when you retrieve the, the bill, they'll pay you back the actual amount for the backing of the one-to-one, you know what I mean? So they kind of issue it out as a discount and then they, then they pay you back the difference whenever you want to recoup it, depending on the duration and usually for like one year. Um, up to one year, you know. Um, so if you have like a thousand dollars, you buy it at nine hundred and eighty dollars. Um, when you recoup the T bill, they pay you back the twenty dollar difference, right? Um, on top. But yeah, so, it's it's so basically. Let me just get that straight. You 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 buy it for nine hundred and eighty dollars, but it's worth a thousand dollars. Exactly, it's worth thousand dollars when you re, when you redeem it. Okay, uh, but yeah. the, the issue you have is with inflation. So exactly. So, yeah. So, okay. So it might, you might, it might be worth a thousand dollars, but in purchasing power, if, I mean, just look at this year, we're hitting something like 15% inflation, something silly like that. I mean, the statistics, mm-hmm. they're not even saying the statistics, 
They're trying to readjust it. They're trying to readjust the statistics I, again. I mean, this is this is what we're having. They're just they're readjusting it. They're shape shifting them. They're just like you know, this isn't real, but it it actually is. If you, I know for a fact that I used to used to pay so much money when it comes to food shopping. Now it's gone up. Gas and electricity has gone up. Rent has gone up. Rent used to be. I know, I know. I've heard of uh, people that were paying six, seven hundred pounds rent. Now there's it's up to nine hundred to a thousand pounds rent. So that's that's not ten percent, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy, man. Like um, they keep moving the goalpost, and I know like how they were measuring the rate of inflation for housing is they were calling up people and doing like a consensus of saying like, hey, do you what what percentage of do you think that your house has increased in rent and stuff like that. And they were fudging the numbers in that type of way for rent. And I heard like now they want to, the, the new thing they want to do, they want to take out uh, gas and and uh, rent completely, you know, from the entire metrics, which is kind of silly when you think about it. It's like, this is uh, the number one expense that most people have is rent, right? Well, definitely, and definitely. I can tell you just from firsthand experience, from, from my brothers, for instance, um, before the pandemic, they were paying, I think like, Fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars for the rent, and it shot up to like twenty two hundred dollars after the pandemic, right? I mean, I, I mean, I live, um, I live in England, so I'm, I'm based here. So uh, a guy here, um, he earns. I, I know this personally. So he earns like, let's say he earns like after tax, like nineteen to twenty thousand a year. Um, yeah. I've calculated. He lives in a one one bedroom apartment, which literally isn't very big. He's just got literally his bedroom. Um, a living room and a tiny kitchen and a small space for him to park his car. Um, he's paying like six seventy rent. Okay, <laughs> okay, get this, get this. So on top of that, his gas and electricity comes to around um, two fifty, two hundred pounds a month. Uh, additionally, he has two thousand uh, pounds council tax, roughly about one thousand five hundred to two thousand pounds per year council tax. He's got around. What is that? What is that? What is the council tax? What is it? Well, the council tax basically pays for the, your local police, your local any anything over here. It's called council tax, so it's like the tax of the house. Yeah. So it's it's the person who rents it that pays it, rather than the landlord. Yeah. So it's roughly about a thousand five hundred to two thousand. Um. So his rent is say near enough six hundred and six hundred and seventy. I mean, I can do the calculations now. Hold on. And you're gonna see that there's not awfully much left over. Let's say yeah. six seventy times twelve, he's paying eight grand um rent per year, plus let's say roughly two thousand council tax, ten thousand uh with the council tax. So that's, that's ten grand. So that's more than half of his salary is gone, and that's without the bills. His internet, his internet's roughly fifty pounds a month, let's say, times mm -hmm. that by twelve. What's that? Uh six hundred. That's six hundred, yeah. Yeah, six hundred. So that's his internet. His gas and electricity, I would say, is about two hundred a. Uh, let's say let's say one hundred and fifty to two hundred a month. Let's say let's say one hundred and sixty a month. So, yeah. so around eighteen hundred dollars, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So plus eighteen hundred dollars. I think that's that's like conservative. Mm -hmm. um, so twelve thousand four hundred and forty. Okay, so he's like on nineteen thousand after tax. So if you minus that. And this is without his, this is without his food shopping, by the way. Yeah. He still does he still so, have car insurance too? Yeah, he still has car insurance. 
So, so he's left with, without food shopping or anything, 6,700. That's simply just to live in that house. <laughs> that's um, silly, man. And that's, that's the truth. Silly. That's, that's yeah. how it is. That's how yeah. it is. So, so, I mean, the, the advice I give to anybody now is live with your parents as long as you can save up a deposit and buy your first house. I mean, that's, that's what I told my brothers. That's the exact, exact advice. What you just said is what I told my little brothers are 17, and 18 now. And I told them, Stay with my parents as long as you possibly can. As long as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because on, on the on the end of the day, if you're paying rent, that's dead money. You know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, this is this. I mean, it's off the scope of this uh, podcast, but it's it's dead money. You're paying all this money um, simply just to survive, and you're not even enjoying it. Facts. Facts, man, and. Yeah, you know, we're entering a stage where it, it could be a little bit scary because it's so unpredictable because, you know, we've just been up and up since 08. And it's kind of strange because they're trying to increase the interest rates and the inflation isn't really coming down. They're trying, they're trying to adjust the uh, metrics and fudge the numbers. And now you have the issue of banks starting to collapse. So who else is swimming naked? We don't really know. And we don't know what this kind of cascading effect will cause we don't know what, who else was invested with the, with those banks. A bank stock went down in two days, like 90 something percent. Like that's crazy. Silicon Valley Bank stock went down from like over a hundred something dollars to like $3, $4. I mean, on the end of the day with, um, with crypto is highly speculative. So any, yeah. any small, if, if the normal market dumps by 20%, it's like the end of the world, but if the normal market dumps by 20%, the crypto market will dump by 98%, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think this is kind of what's happening. The fact that crypto is still an emerging field, um, it's more susceptible to volatility. Um, that's, that's my feeling on it. So do I think that we're heading out of a recession? I don't think so. I think the fact is we have to look at the the way the normal economy is going, the way the, the actual economy, rather than the crypto economy, look at the way um, the, the way the world's going overall. We printed a ton of money during COVID pandemic. Um, I think 80% of the money that, that is in our economy now has entered due to the pandemic. They were giving out money to businesses. They were giving out money to people for not working. I mean, this is this is what I like to say to people. And people kind of, I don't know if they agree or they disagree, but I mean, this is how I this is how I say it. Um, as an as an average individual person, okay, in America or in Europe, how much money do you have in your bank to sit and not work? So, what's the average? I would say most people don't even have up to like two or like a couple thousand dollars in a bank account. I think it's between two to three months maximum. Yeah, I would say like, yeah, a couple thousand dollars for like a good two to three months. I think that's most people, you know, not people, people like us, you know, we're different. But yeah, most people, I would say like two to three thousand dollars. If two, that... two, two, two to three months at most, at yeah. most five to six, seven months, something like that. Yeah. Um, so how could we expect the government to be giving out uh, paychecks during COVID for almost a year for people not to work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, if, if an individual person doesn't have the money to, to, to support himself for more than two to three months, right? How would you expect mm -hmm. the government to sit there now 
giving you money not to do anything. And the problem we're having now, it wasn't, it was a huge social problem as well. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just kind of like the, the, the printing of the money and giving it to them. It was the social problem that you, you actually made people lazy. Um, and, and I, I mean, being from, I mean, I have, I, I work, I, I work in non in non crypto as well. I work within the food industry. So seeing it from that point of view, I've seen a lot of people become lazy, become complacent. Um, and socially the whole world just changed where they expected more money for doing less. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden they were getting, they were getting paid 80% of their salary to do nothing. And now all of a sudden we were begging them to come back to work to get paid a hundred percent of their salary mm-hmm. um, for doing like working as normal. And they were like, no, we, you know, we don't want to come back. So, so this kind of, that this whole thing's happened and all this money's gone into the economy. So what's going to happen? I mean, historically speaking, when they print all this money um, and they print and they devalue the currency to the point where they've, they've, they've overly printed money, uh, the currency collapses. So where do you think things are going to go in like two to three years from this point on? Do you think we're just going to see more inflation? Do you think the currency is going to collapse completely? I mean, yeah, for, I don't for know. Me, for, for me personally, I, I think that the the way that things are going, which how their their magic trick, which is to quantitative tightening, right? And it's not working this time. Like they've been tightening for what, over a year now, you know, <laughs> they've been tightening since, uh, what, uh, late 2021, like Q4, 2021, they started tightening. And now we're in 2023. Inflation isn't really coming down, right? The nominal rate of inflation, the rate that we actually know is to be true, isn't coming down. And I mean, they're still, they're still tightening. It's not working. Uh, the issue we had, we had the the housing bubble, and what they did is they kind of released more. They they kind of released mortgage deals at zero percent, like virtually not no percent. They were you were getting the loan for free, um, and they did that so it wouldn't collapse the housing market. You know, so people could still buy housing at these ridiculously inflated prices. Um, now that they can't really push interest rates any lower. They've kind of pushed them a bit higher, but not not enough, in my opinion. I mean, it's like four or five percent. Um, mm. But but the thing you're having is where where can they go from this point on? Quantitative easing isn't working. They can't really drop interest rates or increase them dramatically without affecting the market. They've increased them a little bit now, and people have stopped kind of buying houses at this point. Um, so things aren't going up as they used to be. So where and whilst all this is happening, inflation is still going up. Exactly. Yeah, and this is the this is the big issue. Is so I foresee eventually something's going to collapse. Like for instance, this 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 huge uh, Silvergate and also Silicon Valley banks. These banks, if they collapse and cause this cascading effect that we maybe predict, then this could probably be the beginning of the stages where they have to switch up their monetary strategy, right? Um, they might have to start easing again, which would cause more inflation, or they have to let a whole bunch of uh, millions of people lose their their jobs and basically have no liquidity to be able to sustain themselves, which would be a, a bad situation anyways, because if you think about it, these people don't have jobs, so they're not paying tax. So the number one way that the revenue stream for the government is tax. And so when they're not collecting tax, they need to subsidize the the, the deficit, right, in some way, shape or form. 
I mean, yeah. completely, completely. I mean, what I think they're just going to get bailed out personally. Um, I think that if it's, this, it's, I think it's the second largest bank. Um, that the, the um, Silvergate is the biggest bank for crypto companies, and Silicon Valley Bank is the biggest bank for tech startups. So it would be devastating for them to go under. Yeah, if they go under all these SMEs, they're all going to go under and they employ around 10 to 100 to 200 employees, you know, because they're smaller. Um, so you got to think uh, all these banks going under that could have been the pioneers for the new tech age for the new tech economy in Silicon Valley will all die. But I already predicted that Dubai is a new Silicon Valley, in my opinion. I, I think they've, they've got their ducks in a row and they're doing everything correctly. Did you see the Abu Dhabi $2 billion fund that they're doing to raise for uh, tech startups? Yeah. No, I, I didn't see that. Well, I mean, if, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have a look at that. Uh, to be honest with you, I've been, so many things have been going on, as yeah. particularly this week, that I haven't really, I know what happened with um, with 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 USDC and, and kind of that kind of deep peg in, uh, which, uh, which isn't great, but I think that's going to restore its peg. Um, in terms of in, in terms of like um what in terms of like uh wh where we're gonna where where we're heading towards um you know with what's going on uh with dubai i'm i'm not i i don't i don't really know about that um du dubai is kind of a bubble in itself so you think so yeah i think so I think it's a it's a it's a bubble in itself. I think I think they're doing well. They're they're great marketers. They're great great at generating revenue. But yeah, I think I think it's a it's a it's, it is a bubble. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, because I have a different uh, stance on it. Because I see it as look, they were smart because they knew the oil money was going to run out, and then they they increased the the well, they decreased the taxes to zero, and then enticed entrepreneurs to come there. So the entrepreneurs are more enticed to stay there because of the favorable tax situation, which then when they um, run out of exports, right, which is the oil, then the, it can be subsidized through the entrepreneurs hiring the local employ, uh, workers, right? Um, because entrepreneurs will stay there and they'll they'll give the jobs as many entrepreneurs as possible and be crypto friendly because they're understanding that that's the new wave Web3. And so I see all the big major businesses building over there also because it's simplified. You don't have to worry about tax, right? So you don't have to worry about when you're doing your trades and all these different types of things. You just simply do, go about your business and it's totally fine. And you employ people. And so I think a lot of uh, Web3 companies are moving over there strategically because of that. And I think they'll stay there. I don't, I don't see them a reason for them to leave that as that home base. Maybe they might have subsidiaries in other countries, but I think Dubai would be a really good home base. But I don't know. What's your stance? I mean, I think the problem with Dubai is if you kind of owe money in Dubai, um, they kind of put you in jail and you can't get out of that. So if, if you're, if they put you in jail in Dubai, that's it. You know, if you owe money, there isn't, that it's not like, um, it's not like your Europe or, or America. If you owe money, then there's, 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 there's ways in which you can pay the money back or you, you, you declare bankruptcy mm -hmm. uh, in, in Dubai. If you owe money, you're personally liable and they just, they just kind of put you in jail and there's, there's no way you can earn money whilst in jail. So I don't know. Uh, that's, that's kind of the way they do things. Um, mm. So for me, uh, maybe it's good from a, a, a point of like a company point of view to set up a base there. 
Um, but to live there and to have that issue of, you know, possibly owing a bill you didn't know about or anything like that, and then boom, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think their their economy is is that credit based heavy. You know, well, if you look at even it can't be ahead. because you're gonna go to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm saying. It's kind of good because it's actual real uh nominal GDP growth. It's not the fake uh money printing stuff that we the thin air stuff that we see in the West, right? It's actual yeah, yeah. real real GDP, you know. So I that's why I, that's why I like it because um even if you look at the housing, um I don't know if I think it's really hard to I don't think uh FD foreign direct investors can even get uh, collateral there. Um they can even get like credit, you know. I don't I don't think so. Um, but I'm not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure because I'm from my understanding, it, even if you want to buy real estate, you have to put down 25% of the actual amount of what yeah, it's yeah, worth yeah. in terms of equity value, and then you pay the rest over time incrementally. I'm, so that's their mortgage, if you will. You know, I mean, I know two people who, who went to live in Dubai, two that's yeah. it. Um, so my cousin, she went to live there, um, and then once her husband fell ill, um, that was it. They kind of kicked them out. They're just like, right, well, you know, we can't deal with this. And they had to leave. Um, so there was, there was kind of no, once he had no job and the money, the money ran out and he, he needed support from the government based on his health bills. He had to leave. Uh, her children were born in Dubai. They weren't given, um, they weren't given citizenship or anything like that. It's, as far as they're concerned, they have this, this this system whereby like in in the uk if if you're born in the uk and your parents are from africa um you're still a british citizen you're still part mm -hmm. of the, the country now yeah. in dubai if your parents are from canada or america and they're born in and your children are born in in dubai they they don't class them as their own so mm -hmm. to me that I, I just couldn't get my head around that um and then the other person I know who who was in Dubai was um, my my cousin's wife. So she was there, and once once she lost her job, she had to leave. So yeah. So okay, fair enough. You don't have a, a credit heavy system whereby you can support your your the people who live there. But on the mm -hmm. end of the day, when you need the country the most, you have to leave, and that's just that's that's yeah. kind of how. So for me. I mean, companies-wise, it might be great, but to live there personally, I, I just can't see that. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, the cool thing, too, as well, is a lot of the companies that are going there are more uh, companies that don't have brick-and-mortar type of uh, – it's not relying on a brick-and-mortar, right? So if you look at, for instance, Binance. Binance is a billion-dollar company, and they don't even have a brick-and-mortar headquarters, right? Yeah. So I think well, we're, we're entering a stage of, like, uh, where you don't necessarily need a brick and mortar to to operate, and so you can have you don't have to maybe live in Dubai to get the no, employee, no. you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think that the whole brick and mortar structure is kind of outdated. Although I did, I do think FTX's kind of home base was that mansion they had. Um, um so yeah, so the, the FTX's home base was that. I think was it in the Bahamas or something? Yeah, like, yeah, or, yeah, it was in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I, I heard that uh, the, the 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 Democratic Party gave a, gave back two point two percent of the lobbied money that uh, 
Sam Bankman fraud gave to the Democratic Party. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Man. I've been following the story a little bit and uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I want to see if he's, if he's actually going to go to jail. Is he actually going to get convicted? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for me, the whole situation was kind of bizarre. He, he, he yeah. kind of published this thing that, oh, I want to give all my money to charity and I'm, I'm such a great guy. And then he just, <laughs> I think uh, there was a, there was a YouTuber that kind of, he made a video on him. Um, Coffeezilla? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. No, no, no. Coffeezilla kind of exposed him. There was another YouTuber that was kind of promoting how charitable he was. Um, yeah, yeah. What Why was do his people name? keep falling for that scam, man? What was his, I think his name was Nas. Was it Nas, the, the, the YouTuber? Uh, I'm, um, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I remember seeing the clips of that video from another YouTuber. Like some YouTuber clipped part of the video. It's like, this guy, he wears the same shirt every day and he drives like a soccer mom minivan. You know? <laughs> and he gives so much money back to the general population, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that crap. And then all of a sudden, uh, the guy was running a Ponzi scheme and he kind of just stole everybody's money. So... Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. I hope, I hope to be honest with you, I, I don't like prison. I don't like people going to prison. Yeah. Um, but I hope some justice is served. Uh, I think yeah. I think his mistake was that he kind of he trusted that that lady friend of his to kind of run the <laughs> accounts on her own, and he gave her unlimited leverage or whatever he did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yo, it's crazy what some guys will do for for women, man. It's uh, it's funny. It's I funny. mean, if you look at every man's downfall, you have to look at the women, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's true, man. Uh, it's it's sad. It's the sad but ugly truth, man. And um, it sucks too because, man, I was reading some of the stories on Reddit, man. And I'm not gonna lie, man, I got a little bit sad because I was just like, man, this one kid was like 23 or 24, lost all of his life savings. Another dude from like I don't know Philippines lost everything in FTX, and like you know what I mean, just people from all over the world were just losing money. Like this one kid. Uh, became the first millionaire in his family and lost like $2 million. Um, yeah, from the whole thing. And then he was just like, yo, am I going to get at least a portion of my money back? Like, this is really messed up. But it's it, it's, a, it's a hard lesson to learn. The thing is that that, that, go, that goes back to the original um, dilemma. Do you store your funds on a centralized exchange? You know? I, I don't know why people do that. I, I, for me, I always see an exchange. It's, it's in the word, right? exchange yeah it's not it's it's not for you to store anything in it's not a security deposit whatever (laughs) it's an exchange it's not got any it's backing is shady as as anything so you you literally just swap your assets and take them out exactly that's the whole point you know um so people who don't understand that basic principle and then those are the type of people they call crypto scam you know and it, it puts a huge blemish in the industry because you're calling it a scam because your lack of understanding of the tech, of understanding what 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 how everything works. You know, if you don't understand Web two versus Web three, if you don't understand how brokerage accounts work, if you don't understand, uh, you know, all the different nuances that comes along with it. You know, if you don't understand these things, then you lose, and that's your fault. You know, you should you should have educated yourself before you deployed capital anywhere, right? I mean, on the end of the day, the whole the whole FTX thing, they had this, from what I remember, they had this like 15% per year thing going on. Um, if I remember, they were like reclaiming tokens for 15% per year if you if you were swapping or, or you kept some FTX token. I, 
I didn't follow the story too much. Yeah. So people were just pouring money into it. Um, but yeah. I think people should have questioned the whole 15% thing. Yeah. Anytime I hear like a high yield, I, I now question it a lot because, you know, when you're offering 8%, 9%, 10% yield, you know, you have to question it a lot because like, where's the yield coming from? And then you, this is why, like I told people to get their, their, their coins off of Voyager, you know, in my, in my research group, I was telling them like, yo, get your coins off of Voyager because, uh, look, how are they sustaining a 10% yield? That means that they're loaning your money in the back end to other people, which it came out that they were, they were loaning it out to three arrows capital and other, uh, uh, creditors. Right. So you can't, um, you can't trust these exchanges, even if they're showing their proof of reserves, I still find it a little bit shady, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, sometimes the thing is, um, you have you have companies that were like um, using FTX to generate yield at fifteen percent, and then they were they were using that as part of their own yield. So when yeah. FTX went under, <laughs> so when FTX went under, everybody kind of went under, and then now all of a sudden it's not just an FTX problem, but it's like all these other companies that were supposedly producing yield from FTX. And FTX yeah. was running a, a class A Ponzi scheme. So, Man. I mean, where are you? You're, you're nowhere, basically. So I think I think the question is, where where is the yield coming from? And that's yeah. what we, we really have to look at. Exactly. That's why all these yield companies, like what was it? BlockFi was one of them. Voyager, yeah, yeah, yeah. Celsius. All of them started going down because people were like, wait a second. Where's this yield actually coming from? And a lot of them, again, they were loaning it out to... Uh, irresponsible people right i mean <laughs> like i actually i actually went to a, a convention and i met some of the team at celsius and they mm -hmm. were trying to convince me to kind of join their their thing yeah. and i was like okay you know so i did the like, i did the the kyc thing you know to just kind mm -hmm. of they they passed it and then two weeks after boom this happened and then they just kind of went under it wasn't wasn't one of the wasn't one of the execs like a porn star or something like if i recall i, I mean i i i didn't look too much into the the, the background of these people um yeah. i just thought that there were and, and a lot of people were kind of trying to sign me up to this and i thought hey you know it's an if i do my kyc here uh have the account just in case i need to do something on it it's a good thing mm -hmm. to have yeah. um but i mean to be honest with you celsius wasn't the collapse of Celsius wasn't as bad as the collapse of FTX. Um, because yeah. straight after the collapse of FTX, kind of their account magically got hacked, and then you had funds mysteriously go into other accounts. <laughs> and and I think that was a, a lot more shady, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's quite crazy, man. Yeah, it's honestly, it blows my mind, man, to 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 see a lot of people lose their money like that. That's why I tell people all the time, man, you, sh you should definitely invest in a cold storage, understand cold storage, because that's the entire purpose of crypto is leaving the banking system and you become your own bank. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't get it, man. They don't get it. And, and they don't want to take the time to learn. That's the thing. People want to make fast money. They want to open up a Robinhood account and buy Dogecoin and watch it go up 20x, you know? <laughs> I mean, on the, on the end of the day, if, if I've noticed this in life, in general, when people have to do the, the work to learn something, they say, you know what, forget it, you do it for me or somebody else do it for me. They don't, even if they have the time to do it, they're like, I don't want to do it. And that, I think yeah. I think that's where you're going wrong. People make money when the markets are kind of not that interesting. 
and then they've invested in it and then all of a sudden they become interesting once once um once a sure deal becomes a sure deal there's virtually no yield in it yeah yeah exactly yeah no i totally agree man yo did you see i was looking i'm looking into these little things that are happening like while people aren't paying attention there's a couple things right one have you seen the new uh proposal for the new erc wallet that's going to come out for ethereum dude i'm so out of touch bro, bro oh my god um i'm gonna send you the link but um it's crazy it's crazy honestly like it, they have uh one thing that stuck out to me that i remember i might pull up the link maybe i can read a little bit of this stuff in a, in a little bit but um one thing that stuck out to me actually was the uh they solve basically the private key issue right so basically with your private key you get your private key and then you have this social recovery aspect where you can pick uh three or four people that you trust that they all collectively can recover your keys in the case of an event that you lose your keys isn't that like casa now i mean there's a there's a service called casa i think they do the same thing where you have like three ways you can like recover your your private keys yeah, but but this is this is genius because it alleviates because there was uh, who was it that uh, the guy used to Jack Dorsey, right? He used to uh, own Twitter, right? Yeah, he yeah. had an idea to do like a multi-sig thing where you have uh, one percentage of the key, then you have another percentage of the key you can maybe give to someone else. And then the company has another uh, percentage of the key. And basically you need two out of the three at every time to be able to access your private keys. You know what I mean? But I don't like the company aspect of it, you know, but yeah, let me read it actually, because I have it pulled up real quick. I just want to read it to you because it's bro. It's so interesting. So it says like the ERC-437 uh, creates crypto wallets with onboard the next 1 billion users to Web3. Here's how it will help a normal user in simple words, right? Then it says, uh, it says, what is ERC-4337 account? abstraction this is a new type of crypto wallet that gives you the same features as a bank would without having to trust the bank it, it is what was proposed years ago and is now approved in live yesterday an announcement was made at the ETH denver event what can it do uh, for the average user oh good sorry so sorry can we can we actually um set up this wallet now or, or is it is it is it fully working that's what i'm gonna investigate now because i'm not exactly sure if it's fully working i just know the proposal went through so maybe people can leverage the code and add it to the api at the back end of their wallet that's what I'm, I'm assuming i'm, I'm going to definitely check this out um because yeah. to be to be to be honest with you um i've been so preoccupied preoccupied with other things um that that i haven't found time but if if i have a list of things that i need to look at um then i obviously find time and i do them yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to definitely investigate. I'll send you links and stuff and I'll keep you updated on the process. But just for the, the content aspect and so for the audience can know. So it says, uh, what can this do for the average user? It can do things like wallet recovery, multi-signed transactions, bundle transactions, uh, custom limits and two-factor authentication, gasless and sponsored transactions. Bro, it's crazy. And many more incredible things. Here's how you can use them, right? And then so it this, says, this will be this will be sorry to say this. This will just be on the Ethereum network. Yeah, it's it's for ERC, and I'm sure like people can fork it, right? You know, yeah, yeah, um, like AVAX and stuff like that. You know, they can fork fork the the code. But um, it says uh, for wallet recovery, are you one of those guys who who lost wallet access and forgot key with the CryptoPunk in it? Uh, now there's a solution. You can 
recover your wallet with a social recovery if you lose your keys no more lost assets right and then it has a picture basically explaining how it works and the functionality of it basically what i described is you pick a few people that you trust and then if you lose your private keys they can recover it for you right but they all have to do it i guess collectively there's going to be more information on it i think there's an entire blog and medium article that you can read too as well but i told you i'm gonna send you the information later and then it also says multi-sign transactions have a transaction that records the approval of your CFO and CEO, easy setup, or a transaction that requires three of the five directors to approve, it's all possible while still being decentralized, right? Amazing. Then you have the, the bundle transactions, which uh, perform mul multiple functions in the same transaction. Example, approve and compete and complete the listing of an NFT from a new collection in the same transaction. And, and add and send funds with just one approval. So instead of, you know how we have to do with MetaMask, you have to do two trend, two uh, two clicks usually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have now to approve can, it, then you have to. Exactly. Now you can do it all in one transaction finally. And um, custom limits and two-factor authentication, you can now set up functions as you like and enable two-factor authentication. Example. So, so just, just to stop you there, will, will banks, when they come to, because eventually what's going to happen is banks are going to be accepting direct, crypto payments i mean this is the future will banks yeah. be using something like this to do that yeah i i think so i think so for for sure you know because the 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 implementation of this the logic the rationale makes absolute sense for them to adopt this and this is really this is when he says he's going to adopt 1 billion users this is this is what's going to do it because now you've solved the issue of security which is what a lot of people they don't want to hold their private keys no. right so you've solved that issue. And now you've also added that you solved the issue of companies and wanting to use crypto and move maneuver on crypto with, you know, having a, uh, you can set up uh, customizable approvals, you know, with directors or, or with CFOs, CEOs and so on to approve large scale transactions. Right. Because you can't mm -hmm. you couldn't do that before. I mean, so, what I what I like to know is is the percentage of crypto users, how many of them actually have cold storage, you know? Yeah, this is this is the thing though. But what I'm saying is this will help onboard new users to make it simple. Because the thing is, you don't need a cold storage wallet to be able to implement this stuff. This is this so that's is that's why this this that's why this is going to be hot. It can be hot and cold. I think this can be implementation for both. Serious. Because at, at the end of the day, if you if you have all these things on the hot wallet, you can still use the uh, ledger as the, as the final form of the two factor authentication, right? Crazy. Yeah. And so it also says uh, you can, it says custom limits and two-factor authentication. You can set uh, functions as you like and enable two-factor authentication. Example, auto-approve transactions while a user is using the app. Wow. Let users set a spending limit. Um, password required for a, a transaction above a certain amount. Wow. So, so you know those hackers, right, that come in. You can put like a spending limit. Like you, you can't spend more than, I don't know, 500 or if, if the limit goes past a certain amount you need the password you know and and so uh it's nice so before the transaction gets sent out you can you can implement oh it can't get sent out without the the last uh, signature password you know and so it helps with people who get you know hacked and people you know go into the MetaMask wallet and steal all their crypto i mean i mean this this solves a whole array of problems because like now if i want to transfer 10 or twenty thousand pounds out of my bank uh, traditional bank um they're gonna they're gonna call me they're gonna question me what's it for what's this what's that and rather than just doing the transfer based on it being me mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're more bo bothered about the the actual 
what the transaction's for. Whereas what you're doing, what what this is imposing now, this this is kind of you're going to be doing the transfer, but rather they're going to be it's going to be focused on verifying that you are that person. Exactly. Know? Rather than exactly. rather than delving into your private life. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 genius. Honestly, this whole thing when I read this thread, I was like, Ethereum is here to stay. You know, um, and then also it, it talks about the gasless and sponsored transactions, which is cool too, because it says no more need to pay gas for every transaction. Free transactions are a thing now, which is a little interesting. It says, and for uh, transactions that require gas, you can set them to another wallet so the company can pay the gas on behalf of users. Think about that, right? So if you have like a company situation where you're part of being able to, to do the transactions and then you can just credit it to the company. It's kind of like the same thing with the company and the um, per diem for, for gas and stuff like that, right? And for food, you know? So you can you can credit it to the company and the company can pay it for you if you needed to spend your crypto to do things, right? Crazy, crazy. Yeah, man, dude, it's it's crazy. And then um yeah, I mean it's um, this it is kind of like the hottest thing this 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 kind of week on 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 crypto. Yeah, that's basically it for the art for the like the little summary, the little thread, but there's a deep dive into the article. I'm gonna look into it. I'm going to see if it what's being implemented exactly. Is it just for the hot wallets? How is it actually working? I'm going to get more of the, of the feedback um, as I'm doing the investigation portion. I but. mean, I, I think what we should be doing, we should be like kind of hitting hot topics every single week. What's going on kind of in the crypto world. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to, to, to keep up with this kind of thing anyway, because it, it just moves lightning speed. Um, I know, the, I know. It, it is hard, but the problem we're having is is there's just so much fud at the moment, um, and then when something good does come out, come come onto like the scene, it's kind mm -hmm. of overshadowed by all, all the fud going on. But there's exactly. only so much there's only so much fud that can happen, right? Exactly, exactly, man. And if you think about it, there's been so much fud, and Bitcoin's still holding strong, you know, um, which is crazy because I thought it would it would have dropped to below. Some people were saying that 12K, 11K, you know, I actually, my predicament was that it wasn't going to drop below 20K because it had never, this is the first cycle that Bitcoin dropped below its previous all-time high from the previous cycle. So for instance, last cycle was 20K and it dropped below 20K because that was a, that was a, the peak of last cycle. And the cycle before that, I think it was 3K, if I'm mistaken. And uh, it never drops below its all-time high from the previous cycle. And this was really? the first cycle that, yeah. Is the first cycle that it did it. And so that's why I was projecting that it wasn't going to do it. And that's why I started buying when it went below 20K because this is undervalued because it's never done this before. I mean, I like the way you think, man, because obviously having such a system in place means that you, you keep calm when you come to trading this stuff. Um, exactly. So, so by definition, the next cycle, Bitcoin could quite easily hit, I don't know, maybe two, 300K. Who knows? Yeah. I, I think at the minimum 150 because it at least should do a 10x from the complete market bottom. And right now that's 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 15k for now. We don't know if it's gonna crash down further, but right now it's 15k. So at minimum, it should do 150k. It depends on how much money printing goes on and more adoption is gonna happen. You know, you see countries like Costa Rica, they're starting to make moves now to make uh, Bitcoin legal tender. Um, Brazil made moves with MasterCard to allow crypto payments with card now. So there's countries that are making moves and 
aren't trying to choose it because because the thing is we're going to get to a point where people are going to have to choose between a cbdc and crypto that's just going to be what what it's going to be between countries all the way down to consumers right and if you choose a u.s backed cbdc well you're effectively trapped right as a country because imagine you're you're buying the the u.s exports with u.s dollars and you're using their cbdc and then you're using the the, the US cbdc dollars that you're getting to buy u.s bonds and now U.S. basically has a stranglehold on your entire economy, so they can cut you off because you, all of the USD that you have as a collateral, right? Yeah, when it com- when it comes to mainstream adoption, I think the banks will just kind of implement um, you. Uh, they'll, they'll kind of in- implement um, CBDCs without the public knowing it, so it will kind of just be a seamless um, transition. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, I don't. I don't think your average Joe knows much about crypto. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when it does happen, the switch will, ha- it's like most people, you ask them how money's made. They're like, they don't know. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is we see a couple use cases already. Like if you look at the CBD, CBDC implementation in Nigeria, for instance, it's going completely terrible, very little tiny percentage of adoption. So they're trying to force people to adopt it. And people are buying Bitcoin right now at almost a two X multiple. Right. Um, yeah. And the CBDC is supposed to roll out at the end of this year. They're forcing people to adopt it and they don't want it because they know they know what it means. It means dystopia, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we see a few case studies already that um, it's going really bad. Also, Leb- Lebanon is dealing with a lot of bad stuff, too, right now with hyperinflation and currency instability, too, as well. So uh, I-, I think people are smart enough than you think. I think that once they see the limitations of you can't buy this, you can't buy that, or you have a limit, you can't buy Chinese products, you can't uh, buy so much gas every month because you're emitting too much carbon emissions in the air. Once yeah. people start to realize the limitations of what the government is allowing you to purchase and how the monitoring is, which because everything's transparent on chain, it can be easily be changed with the algorithm. So you no longer have to, the government doesn't have to do the monitoring anymore. Because everything's yeah. on chain, and they can just they can just change the algorithm quickly, and yeah. then um, yeah. So I think once people understand that, I think the same thing that's happening in Nigeria right now it, it will follow suit, where people will really fight against it. And I mean, the, the problem is you, the government can put conditional statements. So, for instance, um, if you buy so much of this, like you're only allowed to buy so much units of alcohol per week. Um, you're only allowed to interact with these companies. You're not allowed to interact with this company or this business. Um, yeah. If you turn around and you get barred from a place or they say, well, they don't want your custom, um, they could turn around and say, right, well, we don't want this customer anymore. Boom. And then all of a sudden your money will become worthless there. You'll just go in and it, it won't be valid. Uh, yeah. But the, fright- the frightening thing for me, especially with CBDCs as a whole, was when COVID happened, um, you know the, the 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 pandemic happened you you saw crazy ass businesses that were putting up signs saying no vaccine no entrance and <laughs> no i mean this is true i mean there was there was those places like the mall and they wouldn't accept you if you weren't vaccinated or have a, a proof of uh, a proof of that you you were clear for instance mm-hmm. so when you when you have when you had that kind of people were divided to that degree for something that was complete, in my opinion, an overreaction. Um, yeah, it was just an overreaction. I mean, if you look at, I'm, I'm not going to get into it on this podcast, but it was a complete overreaction. Um, yeah. But if you look at the way people responded to that, 
if you now gave those businesses um, the ability to kind of filter out their customer base based on their vaccination status, now you have effectively the quote, you know, if you don't don't have the mark of the beast, you can't buy, sell, or trade. It's it's not that far fetched. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't because now all of a sudden you can't buy, sell, or trade because you haven't got the vaccine. Yes, no, you're absolutely right, man. It it was and, crazy and, times. Oh, go ahead. I mean, Sorry. it was it was crazy times. But I mean, what what offended me mostly was how people responded to those times, mm-hmm. and people couldn't it, see the sense. People weren't understanding. I mean. I, I know of a guy who was 94. He died. He had leukemia for 25 years, mm-hmm. right? He outlived his wife. I think he outlived one of his children as well. And he mm-hmm. died at the age of 94 because he contracted. He, he, he was blind. He was partially blind. He went to hospital. He died. And then they found out that he had coronavirus. And they put on his death certificate, uh, reason of death, coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> And and nobody nobody dare question this. And then you had all this stuff going on, and then nobody would question it. And then all of a sudden, now you have businesses turning around and saying, "We we don't want your business because you're not vaccinated." So I think the introduction of CBDCs is is harmful in the sense that now you're giving control to the businesses to turn around and 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 implement possibly uh, discriminatory uh, conditions to who, who they can deal business with. I mean, imagine yeah. if somebody turned around and said, based on your ethnic background, we don't want your trade. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a scary, that's, that's a social credit score. That's where we're headed. China already has the beta version of it, you know? The social credit score is, is a real thing. I mean, in the UK, they, they, they charge you more for your car insurance based on your postcode. But yeah. the, the, crazy, the crazy thing is, certain postcodes that house like immigrants or, or people of, of, of Asian descent, they seem to live together. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden they're discriminating against people of those postcodes. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. That's so, crazy. It's so, happening. So it's discrimination by proxy. Yes. So if you, if, if you implement the full on CBDCs, then possibly you could discriminate without people knowing that you're discriminating. Yes, this this is this is this is a clear fear for me personally because after I saw what happened the pandemic, where friends that I used to have they're not my friends anymore. I would literally try to convince them that I not really convince them, but just convince them to think, not that if I was right or wrong, but just try to tell them like, hey, uh, I'm getting different kinds of information from people who actually work at the hospital. Uh, it, it and for me, I was like, yo, I talked to a couple, I talked to doctors that didn't get the vax. Yeah, 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 sure. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I lost a, a ton of friends. I, I had a guy who used to come in, repair my computers and that. I turned around, yeah. I said to him, he, he said to me, are you vaccinated? I said, no. He charged me double. He messed me around. And uh, as far as he was concerned, that was okay. Because, I mean, before he was great, once he heard that I wasn't vaccinated, yeah. basically completely changed as a person. So what I'm trying to tell you is when you when you tell people, especially in this day and age, that you're not vaccinated or you didn't you didn't necessarily overly concern yourself or or, or you were you weren't scared to, to be vaccinated in that stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they feel foolish. A lot of people feel foolish now. I mean, if mm-hmm. if somebody's like 20 years old and he's and he and he's vaccinated, it's like 
kind of was there really a need for it you know yeah probably i mean over the age of 50 60 sure go for it but i 20 year olds they were doing kids at 16. yeah <laughs> yeah no you're, you're absolutely right man and it was crazy just seeing how everything and you know the craziest part is people just go back to normal man and they act like they weren't yelling at that grandma in the store and telling her to put on a mask yeah you know, yeah like, i mean I, I i this is fact i was in the bank and this 86 year old woman came into the bank yeah and uh i'm not going to say which bank it was because i, I don't want to do that but anyway the the the, the 86 year old grandma walked in and she says the guy at the bank he says where's your vaccination status she goes i don't have one she goes well he says well i can't let you in she goes well i need money to eat i need my pension <laughs> money she goes he goes i don't care he says you can't enter the bank you'll need to go somewhere else and he literally kicked it and i and then i was like stood in the queue and the the mm. lady in front of me said yeah that's the right thing to do to get rid of them and i was like are you insane i mean she's 86 man She's she's basically yeah. got maybe another 10 years left in her, six years, whatever she's got left. She yeah. looks like she's dying as she is. And you're yeah. going to sit here and deny her her money to feed herself based on this thing? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I said, you're all idiots. And I was so annoyed. I just walked out. Dude, I'll tell you another story. When I was working, I was on my way to work and uh, on my way back from work. And I was super hungry, bro, because I didn't I didn't eat. The whole time because you're super busy at work and this is like at the beginning of the, the whole the whole pandemic thing right and um there was i was eating right and this this girl i was in a train and this girl comes in a train and she's like hey you're not allowed to eat in here and i was like i'm starving i'm literally about to die like i'm about to pass out and she's like i don't care you're not allowed to eat in here i was like so if i would have passed out and if i would die then what you know my death is on your is on your 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 hands you know and she was like ah, i don't really care the rules are the rules. I'll call the cops if you don't if you don't uh, comply. And I was like, "Lady, you are being a sheep. You need to think on your own. You know, sometimes you need to use common sense. Just because the government tells you to do something doesn't, doesn't necessarily make it mean right. It. No, yes, no, it doesn't, doesn't make mean it's right. No, man, it doesn't make. I mean, in in Nazi Germany, right? The, yes, the, 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 they were telling the people to do this, to do that, to to mean it was right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, I said, people don't, didn't stop to one, one day. I said, I'm just asking you, think about it. Yeah. They're adjusting the statistics. They're vaccinating people that don't need to be vaccinated. And additionally, there's all these people that are dying from adverse effects and they're, they're mm -hmm. suffering tremendously from, and they're not even published and they're hidden. I then, yeah. what is this all for? I mean, when you look at it, I, because I work with the general public, they were telling me, I mean, a, a customer came into the shop and he says to me, my wife's in a, in a coma because mm -hmm. she had the vaccine. And I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah, she had the vaccine. And you know what he said after he said that? But well, we are so lucky. <laughs> Yo. No, that's crazy. They're, they're so fucked up. Sorry. They're so screwed up when it comes to their, men, me, their, their mental kind of uh like their vision of what they should be be seeing and and yeah. their, their, their perception is so screwed yeah. that they now believe they're lucky 
That's incredible, man. You know, but I mean, that's the, I call them the normies. I call them normies, right? There because... was there was another guy who's like a, a an ambulance man, and he I, I also know him, and he he was telling me that there was this lady that she got vaccinated, and then just literally three days after, as she was washing the plates, she just literally dropped dead. Like thirty year old girl. Wow. Just dropped dead in cold, and then he's he's like, well, like. He himself, he was uh, he was driving the ambulance. He said, "I'm not getting the vaccine," and he never did. And then, but they they couldn't do anything here. They they couldn't kind of like force them not to like to to get the vaccine because there was there was too many laws protecting people to do that. But if you looked at other countries, how they forced people to like get the vaccine, um, you know, it was it was crazy. And to me, if if you if you have a, a CBDC on on the table considering people aren't all that good because people are not good i mean we, we like to think i mean even people like give to charity they kind of say look i'm giving to charity so it's not really a good thing it's like instead of giving it selflessly and saying i've just done this good deed they're more like doing it for promotion people are not inherently good they just it's just that they're just not imagine a world where cbdc's are in control and imagine businesses private businesses are able to set conditions. <laughs> That's where we're headed though. Uh, and if, if, if that, I could turn around to, to, to in a business and say, I'm only serving people that were, wear red shirts or blue shirts. I'm not mm -hmm. serving anybody else. And as a private business, that's completely legal to do completely yeah. legal. It's not illegal to do it because it's not something you were born with. So if I was to turn around and say, well, I'm not discriminating against you. But now you have to do this, this, and this, which you might possibly not agree with for me to, for you to take, for me to serve you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think that's where we're heading with CBDCs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. It's, it's crazy, but people, I've, I've been trying to warn people. I told you, I used to have friends and I just, I had to drop a lot of, a lot of people, man, because they didn't get it. And everything I said, they would just attack or combat it and it wasn't that i was trying to say something that i was right i just wanted to raise awareness to the complexities of the situation because it's not very simple it's not a direct narrow path of trust the government blindly and this is the thing people are taking that path of just trusting the government blindly not understanding they're about to trap you in a, in a world where you're screwed i mean listen the government do what they have to do to survive i mean that's yes. the way it is that, I mean, it's 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 the way it is. Look at the look at the way pension schemes are. Just just look look how that is. So hold on, I give you my money. Say I'm I'm at the age of I've just started now at the age of twenty or whatever. I've just started working. You yeah. lock my money up until I'm sixty five or sixty seven or whatever it is. Devalue mm -hmm. the hell out of my money, right? And mm -hmm. give me that money back plus a little bit extra, which doesn't account for the devaluation. And during that time, I don't have access to my own money. Yep. Exactly. So, so this is this is kind of just a government scheme. But if <laughs> it's if a you Ponzi, it's a Ponzi, yeah. But it's 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 a long Ponzi, and by the time you've realized it, you're too bloody old to do anything. Yeah. It's so sad. It, it's sad, but if you look at most normal people out there, they fall for this scam, and they're like, "Yeah, this is this is my pension," and it's like. <laughs> I mean, look at premium bonds. That's another one. I don't know if you have them in the States or 
premium bonds like they have them here so what you do is you give them your money and then you have a chance to win some money every single like month or whatever it is but the thing is the money that you give them the the, the chance that you have to win is below inflation so they're effectively mm -hmm. winning <laughs> so if uh... you... <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, you can look it up yourself. You give them ten thousand pounds in 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 nineteen seventy, for instance. You mm. still have ten thousand pounds today, but every every month or whatever, you may have a chance to win something that you know extra money. But on the whole, the extra money you win is is somewhat below inflation. So it's like, where are you? Overall, the system is in their favor. Exactly. And they use those bonds to fund their operation. That's the, that's the funniest part about it, you know, um, <laughs> because they subsidize, they subsidize because, you know, the taxes isn't enough. Um, if you look at it, they're not getting enough tax revenue and they subsidize with the bonds, you know, and, and the easing, right? The quantitative there's, easing. There's one way they can solve all this, and that is by implementing a transaction fee. If they implemented a transaction fee on every single transaction, whether you're rich, whether you're whether you're Bill Gates, whether you're Amazon, just a transaction fee on every single transaction in the world, mm -hmm. right? And they had a fixed percentage on that. They could cover, they could solve this problem. Yes. But the problem I, is- I, I talked about that before, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, continue. The, the problem is you have these very, very, very rich companies that they don't want that. Yeah, exactly. And and it makes absolute sense because this is what I was I was thinking of how the future would work with you could tie in it with cryptocurrency because you could implement it into the smart contract so that every time a transaction happens, a little percentage goes to the business, a little percentage goes to tax, a little percentage goes to the employees automatically. I right? mean, you can get you can get rid of accountants completely. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the, the beauty about this technology that people don't really look at it, how it can be leveraged to be able to simplify the capital efficiency and the and increase the economic output and um, decrease the friction of the system, right? I mean, um, how how many people are paid in accountancy offices, in tax offices to deal with this shit when all of a sudden now you can have a system that automatically does it? So I guess that can be the power of like CBDCs. So that could be like a positive aspect where you kind of have this thing autopilot. The only danger of uh, CBDCs as, as a whole is implementing uh, restrictions and conditions based on whatever. Like the individual, like for instance, if 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 I for instance, without being discriminatory, let's say I don't want Chinese customers. Okay, I can't say I don't want Chinese customers. But what I can do is I can set condition within within the people that I deal with that they are not allowed to have bought from these stores, and those stores typically Chinese people go there. Yeah. So it's discrimination by proxy. And this is kind yeah. of what what you don't want to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But yeah, it's uh it's definitely something that um it's something that could potentially be a potential solution. Cause you, look, you like it or not, money is gonna change, right? Um yeah. this isn't a, this isn't an opinion, this is a fact. Money has to change because the system is broken and we're almost at the tail end of this of this uh, fiat type of system. Right. It's almost it's all, it started what, in 1971 after they, they banned the gold reserve currency. Right. And uh, we're at the tail end, you know, of this uh, money backed by thin air and people deciding when they want to rob people indirectly with 
inflation, right? Because and, and pay make people pay two taxes because you pay one tax to the government and you pay a hidden tax with inflation, you know? And yeah, we're at the tail end of this, man. And for people like us who have assets, we're going to win. Um, it's unfortunate for people who don't have assets, you know, that um, are just playing the nine to five game and are just keeping their money in the bank. I feel really bad for them because they're going to lose in the end when everything becomes hyperinflated and they move into a new system and convince people that the system is broken and they need to change things dramatically, right? And then people will look for the government to save them. And then that's how they're going to get them and onboard them into the CBDC system. I mean, we, we could talk about this all day, really. I mean, yeah. if you look, if you look at UBI's uh, universal basic. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you can, we can definitely talk about this all day. Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you don't have money, you don't have protection, you don't have assets and you're subject to um, basically whatever the state says and does kind of like you have to do this or we're not going to help you, then you just become a slave. And you, 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 you're no longer in control of what you want to do. We saw this with COVID. Um, one of my brothers, he was during the pandemic, the, the government turned around to him and said that they wouldn't pay him any sick pay because he's not vaccinated and they forced him to get vaccinated. <laughs> so what, what I'm trying to say, you can literally force people to do things without them wanting to do it when there's a financial incentive involved yeah. and uh if you don't if you if you're a millionaire and you say right well you know screw this this isn't right you can yeah. kind of say right well i'm holding my own i don't believe in this yeah. but if you don't have any money and all of a sudden you have to do what the government tells you then to some degree you're going to cave in and you're going to do what they say exactly especially if your your situation is dependent on the government you know um, yeah. If you're if you're having your own cash flow, your own equity in, a, in your own company or you have your own thing going on, then you're dependent from the system. Right. But if you're relying on an employer. <laughs> good yeah. luck. Yeah, you know, good. No good. And, and I think this is this is kind of what COVID has shown us. Let's let's just hope that I, I don't think this whole mess that COVID caused is over. I think. I think it'll take probably till 2030 for this mess to blow over. Like, but by then it'll be the whole monetary system will have changed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think for sure by 2030, we'll see a huge difference in not just the monetary system. I think we're right now going through the, the digital and financial revolution era. You know, when you also combine artificial intelligence too, as well, and the capabilities yeah, yeah. of what that can definitely, do. Definitely, definitely. It's, I think by 2030, there's a lot of things are going to change. Uh, dramatically and if you're not at the forefront of these industries like web3 and artificial intelligence uh virtual reality augmented reality you're yeah. going to be left behind basically yeah <laughs> anyhow um right okay so we can yeah we can wrap it up from there man yeah let's, uh, let's wrap it up from here i mean we could probably do another another podcast probably next week or so um just whenever just just hit me up we can we can definitely do something up yeah all right, man. Yeah, so yeah, guys, this concludes uh, this episode of the Mooncast and peace.